Shree and I are going to continue our series. Wasn't Aaron good last week? Yeah. So good. He just, Aaron, Aaron shared so many things that I just took to heart and, and just really ministered to me. So, so thankful for, for him and, and for what he shared. Um, we're going to continue our series that we had started over the last month and month and a half or so about living a spirit-led life. And, you know, Shree and I, as we've, as we prayed through this series and like honed in on where the Lord wanted us to, to focus, um, we've talked about a few different things already. We talked about conflict a few weeks ago and how to handle conflict in a spirit-led life. What does that look like? How should we handle that? How, how should we navigate that? Um, and that conflict can be okay. And sometimes it's necessary, but we must be led by the Spirit in order to enter into that appropriately. And then the week before that, uh, we talked about relationships and how Spirit-led living is exemplified in relationships when we serve others first. When we have a heart of service, when we really pursue putting others first instead of putting ourselves first. And when we have uh, spirit-led relationships, we, we exemplify that servant behavior. Um, and on that note, for those of you who haven't heard um, of this ministry, I know a lot of you have, um, but there is a, a ministry that we, Shree and I have connected with over the last probably two months since, since 4th of July, the Booster Days Parade. There's a church in Hudson that has a uh, food rescue program um, and a clothing rescue program. So um, it's, a, it's a really cool way to serve our community. Um, they're, they're located in Hudson, but they go and they have a food bus and a clothing bus that goes to different places in and around the Hudson area. Yesterday they were in like the industrial park of Hudson. They were going to Holton. They're going to set up in Roberts. But what they do is they have this clothing bus and everything in the clothing bus is a dollar. So it's, you know, lightly used clothing, um, but it's all, a lot of it is brand new, never been used, still has the tags on it um, that has been donated to their ministry through, um, through what, what they have going through di- different businesses and shops. And we just, we, like, as I was thinking about what it means to serve others and how to serve our community, they, that ministry is so cool and in such a cool way to serve the community. Um, and something that, you know, Shree and I feel like our church can be doing. We can be giving back to the community in, in a lot of different ways. So we'll continue to share about that. We're excited. Uh, in two weeks, we have our, church's one-year anniversary, which is so cool. Um, we're excited to share that. And in that Sunday, Shree and I are really going to spend some time talking about vision for our church and where we see Glory Church going in the future and how we can really tap into some of those things. And serving, just to give you like a, a little bit of a nugget ahead of time, serving is going to be a really big component um, of what our church will, will be will be looking like and doing as we move forward. So we had a chance to go and check out their ministry yesterday um, in Hudson. There were people there. You can come and get fresh produce, dry goods, and it's all free. And it's all stuff that would have gone to waste, um, but because they have this rescue program, you can go and get it. They joked, they're like, we haven't had to buy a loaf of bread in years. Lettuce. Uh, or lettuce, because they always have a plethora of a food that's just donated that, you know, you have to eat within the week, but um, is a chance for us to not 
not waste food. So if you have a chance, check them out on Facebook. Um, go check out their, their pop-up sites. It's really cool. Um, they have men's clothing, they have kids' clothing, they have women's clothing, um, and you, you, can, you can be blessed by their ministry. Everything's only a buck, so it's pretty awesome. Fresh Express is the food ministry, and Fresh Threads Express is the clothing ministry. So check them out. Uh, today, though, we're going to continue our series on Spirit-Led Living, talking about families. Um, I'm thankful that I have Sheree up here with me to discuss this. Now, we're not just going to talk about kids. That is one aspect of a family, but we're going to talk about all aspects of family. So your siblings, your parents, your in-laws, and what it means to live a Spirit-Led life um, with your family, and, and how do we allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide our family. So there's going to be four main points that we're going to dig into today. So there's, uh, the first one is trust, time, discipline, and last, uh, grace. So we're going to start, if you can turn with me uh, to Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to start reading chapters, or Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6. Many of you know this verse, probably off uh, memorized it at some point in your life, um, but it's going to kind of lay the groundwork for what we're going to share today. So um, read along with me. It says, Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on Him to guide you and He will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with Him in whatever you do and He will lead you wherever you go. That can, that can be applied to a lot of different areas in our life, not just our families. Um, but as we take this verse and we apply it to what it means to our families, what does it mean to trust when leading our families? What does it mean to trust when leading our families with our finances, with our time, with our decisions? What does it mean to trust the Holy Spirit to lead us in all avenues of our family. And a lot of times, as, as I'm going to stand up because I need to move. Uh, I've been sitting with the, the kiddos in the nursery. Um, a lot of times, we have no problem trusting the Lord in certain areas of our family, but we struggle to trust Him in other areas where we want to have control. So it might be, oh yeah, Lord, we trust you with our health, we're going to stand on that. But when it comes to our finances, I need to have a little more control on that because we don't trust in that area. And that's normal. I think all of us probably have something in our life where we try to hold on to control a little firmer. We can release certain things, but other things are easier for us to hold on to. And that's different for everybody. Some people have no problem. Finances, sweet. Yeah, here you go. I'm going to write you a check. Not a problem. doesn't even think about it. Other people are like, well, let's, uh, let's think about that one a little bit longer. So I think the biggest question is in our families, when we think about trust, if the Holy Spirit leads you to do something, do you do it? If He is pushing you in one direction, are you obedient? Do you trust Him enough to allow Him to make the decision for your family instead of trying to make the decision on your own. 
Do you trust him? We can say it all we want, but actions speak louder than words. Actions speak louder than words. Do you trust him? Because it can be easy. It's, it's a lot easier to try and control it ourselves. It's a lot easier to try and control it ourselves. Yet there's so much freedom when we allow the Holy Spirit to lead our families, when we trust him with the decision of our families. I think at the same point, for those of you who have kids or maybe you had kids uh, and they're adults now, how are we teaching our family, our kids, our siblings, maybe our parents to be led by the Spirit and trust His leading? Are your kids seeing you pray about something before you make a decision? Are you saying to them, hey, that's a great idea, let's pray about that. Now, I'm not talking about whether you're going to have PB&J for lunch or a turkey sandwich, but if you have a big decision that you need to make in your life, do your kids see, or maybe it's your spouse, do they see that you pause and you ask the Holy Spirit first? Or do you just jump into it and make the decision that you want? Instead of maybe waiting a minute and going, you know what, I need to check with the Lord first. Do they see you do that? Because your kids or your spouse or your siblings or whoever it is, they're very observant. Our kids see everything. Everything. And they, they remember everything. That's exactly right. So how are you showing them that you are trusting the Lord with decisions in your life? Are you being an example to them? And that's not a question you need to answer right now, but it's just something for you to think about. Am I truly putting my trust to allow the Holy Spirit to lead me when it comes to decisions that we're making? Let me give you an example from our life. Uh, so Graham was four, and we were faced with the decision of whether or not we were going to homeschool or send our kids to public school. We couldn't afford private school, uh, and we were kind of put in this position of, what are we going to do? Shreed already been staying home with the kids, and um, you know we we weren't entirely sure. I grew up going to public school. Shree grew up going to private uh, private school and being homeschooled at certain points. To be totally transparent, I was a little more hesitant on homeschool. Uh, I was, you know, I had grown up in the era where there wasn't a whole lot of homeschool families in our community. I grew up in a small town, and the kids that were homeschooled. Um, were socially awkward. They were the kids that you could, like, stereotypical homeschool kids. That's who they were. When you think of homeschool, like, they were socially awkward. And I was like, our kids cannot be socially awkward. They can't be. And I had this fear of my kids being socially awkward kids. It's not the case, but I'm being honest. I'm being vulnerable here. Don't judge me. I'm being honest. Because I had, I had this fear of, like, what are my kids going to be if, they're just around us all the time. And we prayed about it. And Shri was like, Adam, our kids aren't going to be weird. And I'm like, are you sure they're not going to be weird? And our kids are not weird. Um, but I was concerned of that. I had this fear of what if, because I, it was this unknown thing that I had never experienced or encountered. But instead of just making a rash decision, like we're not doing that. We both prayed about it. We both sought the Lord about it. And I think 
Shri was like, this is what we need to do. And at first, I knew that was what we needed to do. But again, I was like, I just, I, I, I had a harder time letting go of that. I did. Um, and homeschool for our family has been incredible. Our kids are involved in this awesome homeschool co-op where they have friends. They get to do things like physical education. And we get to cater the curriculum to our kids' needs. If Graham needs to be pushed a little further in math, we can do that. And we wouldn't have that ability if we wouldn't have made that decision. So sometimes you have to put aside your own selfish things or your own fear, your own ideas of what something is, and trust that if the Lord is leading you to do something, that is what you need to do. We all, and we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to say, the Lord asked me to do something, and I didn't do it. I'm going to do it differently next time. I'm going to be obedient the next time. I'm going to trust him the next time, especially when it comes to our families. Anything you want to add to that? Absolutely. So when we are trusting the Lord and being led by the Spirit, the Lord will bring confirmation on things that he's looking for us, things for us to do. He's going to bring confirmation. And a lot of times that confirmation comes through other people. A lot of times it's not going to be this huge booming voice that's, you know, Adam, you need to do this. That doesn't happen. But a lot of times it's going to be someone coming up to you and speaking into your life saying, this is what you need to do. And then it's going to be a week later, somebody else speaking into your life saying the same thing. And eventually you have this, okay, Lord, I hear you loud and clear. The Lord uses people to speak into our lives when he's leading us in a direction. We can all think of times in our lives when that's happened, where the Holy Spirit drops something in you and you're like, oh, I'm going to put that on the shelf for now because I don't know what that is. And then two weeks later, somebody comes and says, hey, I, I really think you should start your own business. And then that thought that came into your mind two weeks ago about starting your own business goes, huh, that's weird. And then a week later, someone else comes and says, hey, you're really good at this. Have you ever thought about starting your own business? And then all of a sudden, you're, what you thought might be a thought was actually the Holy Spirit leading you in a direction that is now confirmed through other people. So be aware and trust when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you that he's going to bring confirmation from people for you to do something. A perfect example is this church. I had... So rewind to like spring of 2019, right? I think so. I had told Cherie, I said, I don't know what it is. I don't, I honestly don't know what this is, but I feel like the Lord is transitioning us into something new. I had no idea what it was. We were, we were going to church at Living Word. That was like, we were just, that was what we were doing. He was like, I don't know if it's for moving someplace or like what that is, but he's like, it's just stirring me. Like transition, transition. And I'm like, I don't like transition. I don't, I don't want to hear that. Like, what? I don't know what, like, I just was like, okay, you know, like, maybe that'll be down the road or something. But I was like, that makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Adam's like, but I feel it. It's stirring inside of me. And I'm like, why isn't it stirring inside of me? You know, like, <laughs> um, you know, shouldn't it be stirring inside of me too? And so it was just really like, okay, that's awesome. So just like, keep 
pouring into that, asking the Lord to show you what that stirring is in your spirit, man, because he's leading you into that next step and that next path. And so it's, yeah, it's kind of funny how that was. And then I was like, okay, but I had such peace about it, but I'm like, okay, Lord, like you're going to show Adam and that verse in Proverbs about trusting. It's like, I just keep marinating on that verse of trust in the Lord with all your heart, all your heart. You know, it's not, oh, I'll just give you a little morsel, of, a little piece of it, you know, but it's just like my whole heart. What does that look like? What does that mean? And I've just been really um, soaking on that, like, because I feel like God just has so much more in store for us. Uh-huh so much more we just like get a little hint of it but he just has so much for us Mm -hmm. so as i had this feeling in my spirit of like something new was coming i thought maybe it was my job i'm like oh okay something's going to change a target i'm going to get promoted something something and i that's honestly what i thought it was and then over the course of the next year there was three or four separate times that individual people, not the same people, different people throughout 2020, maybe it was the spring of 2020. It was the spring of 2020. Uh, Throughout 2020, different peoples, different people, couples, people that we had never met before started speaking into our lives about stepping into what the Lord has and ministry and like all these things. And we're like, oh, that's what it was. It wasn't my job and and things changed at Target, but we sensed this season of transition and we could have very easily went, nope, we're not hearing you, putting the earplugs in, we're comfortable here, we don't wanna do this because we wanna be comfortable, we like being comfortable, we like the lazy boy, that's why it exists. However, when we step out and we we follow what the Lord is leading us to do, He is so gracious towards us as we step into that right Right? because in the natural like when we started when we started talking about this church i was due with lila in two weeks and i was like this possibly can't be the right timing (laughs) (laughs) like i what like i don't know but we peace about it and it's just this step and walk of faith and trust in the lord that all right here we go because I trust that you have placed us here and you are bringing us through this. Mm-hmm. And we are in, in line with your will and your path. Yeah, and, and I think when those times happen in your life, it's important for you to share them with others. Share those times when the Holy Spirit has led you to do something and it's turned out incredible. Because as you share those testimonies with people, that encourages their faith. It builds up their faith. And it might be that one thing that that person goes, you know, the Lord's been leading me to do this, but I haven't been courageous enough to do it. That you never know when you're sharing that with them, what that does to their faith. If you look in Romans 8.28, again, many people know this verse. It says, and I love the Passion Translation uh, of this. It says, so we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. So when we trust in him to lead us, and we read this verse, we know that if we're trusting in him and he's leading us, 
that he's already built the plan for us. The, blup- the blueprint is already there. He's already established what he wants, and it's good. We just have to step out and do it. We have to have the courageous attitude to trust that what he's calling us to do is pushing us in the right direction. Because if we know and we serve God, and we know that he has a plan and a purpose for each one of us, and that all of the details are, as it says here, continually woven together for good, if he's leading us in a direction, he's never going to lead us or our families in an area of destruction. He's never going to push, push us in a direction that is going to cause us to stumble. He's never going to push us in a direction that's going to be negative or wrong or evil. He's only going to push us in directions that might challenge us. Sometimes it's uncomfortable and you learn a lot along the way, but it's good. It's always going to be good, right? So the second point that we want to talk about is time. So we talked about trust in your, in your family. I talk about time a lot. Uh, and this, I feel like this is the word for 2022 for, for me, is time. I think maybe the Lord's trying to tell me something. Um, but time is so important when it comes to your family because there's so many things vying for your time. So many things vying for your time. Whether you have kids or not, maybe it's just you. But you are so busy with your job, with your friends, with your, 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 your siblings, your extended family, that you just don't have enough time. You don't have enough time to do what you need to do. Excuse me. You don't have enough time to do what you need to do. So how are we showing not only ourselves, but those around us, how we are prioritizing our time and what matters most. Because if we're living a Spirit-led life, the Spirit should be most important. The Lord should be most important. Yet oftentimes, we have our priorities off balance. You know, one of the things that Shree and I try to do every morning, and I say try because it's definitely a try, um, as we try to wake up, And the first thing we do is spend time reading the Word together and then praying together. But you can imagine with four kids at 6.45, they're up. Elijah will come up. Is it breakfast time yet? Always hungry. So for us, for us, how are we explaining to our kids? And we just had this conversation last night. How are we explaining to our kids that while I know you're hungry, this is really important to mom and I. So we are going to take time to spend time with the Lord and then we'll get you breakfast. Or maybe it's a sport. Maybe it's an activity. Maybe it's your job. Man, my, I work 12 hours a day. I'm so exhausted when I get home. How do I have enough time for the Lord? This isn't to condemn anybody. All of us are in different seasons and stages of life. But if we're going to truly live a spirit-led life and our families are going to be spirit-led, we have to make sure we are prioritizing our time correctly. We have to make sure that our kids, our spouse, sees that we are choosing that first. We are choosing to spend time with the Father first. I'll just use an example from our kids. If our kids see us modeling what it means to pursue Jesus, 
to live a spirit-led life, to pause when we need to pause. They're going to start to learn, hey, I see mom and dad do that. I, I should do that. I should read my Bible. I should, I should spend time praying. I should spend time talking to the Lord. They see it modeled by us first. And then out of that, they start to grow their relationship with the Lord. Too many times, our kids just see Jesus on Sunday mornings. Our, sometimes our spouses just see Jesus on Sunday mornings. We need to be pursuing the Lord throughout the week. And our family should be a part of that. I think for us, and we still have young kids, um, but even before we had kids, I would say that Shree and I were, you know, and this is probably even before social media was a big thing, uh, we were bombarded with distractions. Shree and I were both in college. We had, you know, we were kind of doing this like work and school thing. We just gotten married. We were bombarded with distractions. And to be totally transparent, the last thing on my list to do at that time was my quiet time, spend time with the Lord. Because I had homework to do, I had papers to write, I had newscasts to edit, I had all of these things that I needed to do, and I needed to work 40 hours a week because we just started, we got married, we had an apartment we needed to pay rent on. Distractions. We weren't choosing to prioritize our time the right way. And I think our family, just the Shri and I, there's probably a lot of things we could have avoided that were frustrating if we would have been spending our time in the right places, right? If we would have been spending our time seeking the Father instead of seeking a good grade, and good grades are important, but you can obsess over them. When you prioritize your time with your family, with your spouse, and you prioritize Jesus, that's where you can start living out your spirit-led life. Jesus, Jesus was a perfect example of this. So we all know that Jesus, his ministry was about three years long, right? From the time that it started until the time that he died, it was about three years long. And if you read through the Gospels, I'm going to give you three examples. We don't, you don't need to turn there. Um, but Jesus knew that he needed to spend his time in the right way. So in Luke 5.16, it says, but Jesus often slipped away from them and went into the wilderness to pray. Matthew 14, 23, After the crowds dispersed, Jesus went up into the hills to pray. And as night fell, he was there praying alone. Matthew 26, 36, Then Jesus led his disciples to an orchard called the oil press, Garden of Gethsemane. He told them, Sit here while I go and pray nearby. So, the disciples were like Jesus' family. He didn't say, oh, okay, come on. Come on, you, we'll, we'll do this together. No, he said, hey, I need a minute. I need to go pray. I need to be alone. I need to prioritize my time with my Heavenly Father over hanging out with you. And that wasn't a knock or a diss on the disciples. But that was Jesus being intentional about saying, I need to recharge because I want to be spirit-led, and in order to do that, I need to spend time with the Spirit. It's hard to be, live a spirit-led life if we're not spending time 
with the Spirit. Jesus knew he needed to be filled up, so he spent a time away to be filled. He knew that it was important. He showed his disciples that it was a priority. I'm sure they left their heads scratching like, where'd the teacher go? Where's he, where'd he go? But he showed them that spending time away with Jesus or with the Father was a priority. He used this time to recharge, to prepare, to ask the Lord what's next. Are we doing the same thing in our lives? Are we actually pursuing the Lord and saying, Lord, what do you have for me, for my family? What do you need us to do? This last year, um, homeschooling, I just took some time before the beginning of the school year, before we started, and I just, I was praying like, Lord, show me, show me what I'm missing this year. Like, show me what I need for this next year for imparting into my children. You know, like, the world's a crazy place. And to just start to lay that foundation where our kids are just going to be strong and so firm and unwavering. I'm like, okay, God, like, show me. Like, I need some help here. And he spoke so clearly to my heart. He said, get them in the word and don't worry about the rest. And I'm like, okay, I hear that. And some days I was really good about that. And other days it was like, oh, Devotions got pushed to the end, or our Bible time got pushed to the end, our studying of the Word got pushed to the end, and something else came up about it. And it's kind of, it just reminded me when Adam was talking about the time, it was just like, that's what's important. It's switching our priorities. It's switching the way we think about things. Of It's not our long list of to-dos first. It's, God, what do you have for me? You know, what do you have for this next year, for today, for this week? Like, show me. So it just reminded me of that. Mm -hmm. And I think even in, a, in our church, it's very easy to fall into the trap of, okay, we're going to do this, then we're going to do this, and we're going to follow this, this order. And while there, th there are things that need to happen in order, something that we, and we'll talk about this in the next few weeks, for our church is how are we coming together and saying, Lord, regardless of all the things that we have planned, what do you have for us? What do you want for this community? And, and how are we actively pursuing that together? How are we actively pursuing that together as, as a community? You know, I, I think to Cherie's point about priorities and like the to-do lists, uh, how many of you are list people? Where like if you have stuff to do, you need to write down a list. How many of you are not list people? Me. I I'd like think, to. I'd like to. I don't to think be. Adams ever wrote a list in his life, and mine is like, like everything. My list everything. is up here, um, and I think you know one thing that I have learned between Sheree and I is we'll go on vacation. We just went on vacation this last week. It was great. It was awesome. It was awesome, uh, and Sheree will literally have a detailed list of everything we need to pack. And the night before, I'll be like, okay, I need some of this and some of this. And then we'll get on vacation. She's like, did you remember that? I'm like, oh. Nope. Nope, definitely didn't remember that. Should have. This year, when we were going on vacation, I'm like, I have this master idea of making a list and copying it. So I gave each of the kids a copy. They wrote their name on top, and they were in charge of all their little things and how many pairs of socks and how many shirts. And I'm like, make sure it's all in your bag. I'll double check it. But Adam's like, 
I need a pack. I'm like, yeah, you do. Everything else is all in order. Uh huh. But then there are things that I will remember that Sheree's like, oh, I would have totally forgot that. You know, so we balance each other really well. But I think when it comes to, for the, for those of you that are list people that like to make a list, sometimes you can get handicapped by said list Mm -hmm. where your list never gets smaller. It only gets longer. So it's really hard to prioritize your time because you're like, where do I start? It's so overwhelming to start on your list sometimes. Yeah, mm-hmm. because your list went from 10 things to 20 things and you didn't check anything of the 10 things off, especially having young kids. Mm-hmm. You know, Shreel have a list of like, we're going to start our school year and we're going to do it this way. And by December, we're doing it a totally different way. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with we're that. We're flexible. We're flexible. We're adaptable. We make it work. Um, but if, if you get so hung up on finishing your list or making sure that it has to be a certain way, sometimes you remove the Holy Spirit out of that. Because the Holy Spirit will be pushing you to do one thing, but because it's not on your list, you're like, well, I'll do that, but I need to finish these things first. And your list might not be like, empty the dishwasher, do the dishes. Your list might be like, write a book. something, like, Whatever it might be. It might be these big broad, very large, time-consuming things that if you are so stuck on your list, it can lead to you missing when the Holy Spirit is leading you. I think, though, and this ties into our third point, uh, the third thing we want to dig into is discipline. I'm not talking about disciplining your kids like, go sit on timeout discipline. Talking about discipline. (laughs) Discipline in the way of how you establish routines in your family. She was just talking about our devotions with our kids. Every year at the start of the year, we sit down and write goals for the year. A lot of times those goals aren't always met, um, but we still always take the routine of like, what are some practical goals for our family to accomplish in the next year? Because we want to establish discipline for what it may be. And, and there's discipline in a lot of different areas. Maybe it's a diet that you're trying to do. Maybe it's an exercise routine you're trying to do. Maybe it's waking up at a, waking up at a certain time. Uh, it could be as something as simple as I'm not going to sit on my phone for an extended amount of time or I'm only going to give myself 20 minutes a day of screen time. Whatever it may be, when you establish discipline in your life, Uh, It establishes routines. Mm -hmm. And again, I think there's traps that you can fall into with routine, but there's also really good ways that routine can contribute to living a spirit-led life. Um, So what I, I guess a question for you to think about, again, don't answer it today, but what have you done to establish discipline in your own home? What routines have you established in your own home? With yourself, maybe it's you and your spouse, Maybe it's you and your siblings. Uh, maybe it's you and your, you know, your kids. What routines have you done to help establish discipline in your home? Habits are built over time. In fact, most research says that habits take an average of 66 days to be established. So if you truly want to make a change in your life, it usually takes an average of 66 days. Now there was there was some research that I found that said that sometimes habits can 
take three weeks to form. Sometimes it takes over half a year, depending upon what you're trying to do. But creating discipline and living a spirit-led life requires discipline. It requires you to establish routines, and it also requires you to be in tune with what the Holy Spirit is communicating to you. Tying it back to time, if you're not taking the time to spend time with the Lord, to hear His voice, to know where He's leading you, how are you going to do that? You can't expect to live a Spirit-led life and to be led by the Spirit and to hear His voice and be so confident in it if you're not having a disciplined routine to do it. Now, I'm not talking about religion because I think this, this is definitely a trap that you can fall into the religious aspect of, I, I have to do this, I have to do this, I can't do this. It's not what I'm talking about because it can be very easy to say, I have to read a full chapter of the Bible today and I have to pray for 10 minutes and then I have to pray in the Spirit for 10 minutes and then you know do it all the next day. That's not what it is because I think that's a very easy trap to fall into. But having discipline means that instead of waking up and instantly opening your phone and going to Facebook and scrolling for 45 minutes and wasting your time, I'm preaching to myself right now, you wake up and you go, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to set my phone aside. I'm going to spend time with the Lord today. That's what I'm going to do. Whether that's five minutes or 45 minutes or longer. Discipline means that you establish consistent routines in your life to help you live a Spirit-led life. We want all of our actions to not flow out of a religious spirit, but to flow out of the knowledge of our covenant with Christ and our relationship with Jesus. Becca was talking about covenant earlier. We want everything we do to flow out of the fact that we know that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, that He has called us, He has prepared a way for us. We're not doing things out of mere habit or out of necessity. We're doing them out of a place of reverence and respect and honor to our Father. And the interesting thing is, when we tie this back to our families... We teach our kids how to go to the bathroom. We teach our kids how to brush their teeth. We teach our kids how to read and write. But are we teaching them how to hear the Holy Spirit? Are we teaching them to know His voice and to be led by the Spirit? When they're in the grocery store, little nine-year-old, and they hear the Holy Spirit go, hey, go, go say hi to that person. Are you teaching them to go, Oh, that's a that's a pretty cool thought. What was that? Or like, oh, that was the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pursue that. I'm going to go say hi to that person. We teach them all of these things as things that are foundational to their livelihood as little people. But are we teaching them the most simple yet most important thing? To hear the voice of the Lord and to know the voice of the Lord. Are we encouraging them to dig into that? Maybe it's our spouse. Maybe you, or, or, or it's a friend that you have that is new to the faith. They just started a relationship with Jesus. Are you encouraging them, teaching them, 
praying for them that the Lord would speak to their heart and that they would be in tune with what he's trying to say. I think it's really easy it, it's really easy as as parents to teach our kids about Jesus, to teach them about the Holy Spirit, to teach them about the heavenly Father instead of establishing a personal relationship with Jesus through them. We can teach them about the Bible and and all the things in the Word as much as we want, but are we pushing them to develop a relationship with Jesus? I'm so thankful that I had the children's pastor that I had, I know she's sitting in the back row, and the parents that I had, because it was never just about learning about Jesus. It was never about... I just want to teach you this cool story. It was always about how are you growing and establishing your personal relationship with Jesus. I didn't just know about Jesus. I knew Him. I experienced Him. And I think it's also um, like you guys have done such a great job modeling that about when God speaks to you, you know, telling people, telling your kids about it, you know, miracles that you've seen, sharing them with your children so that they, like, it builds their faith, you know? So testimony, sharing testimonies is so important. And I forgot where my train of thought was going, but. um, It's good. It's good. (laughs) Yeah, and just, like, modeling that for your kids. Like, I know timeless, timeless times. I don't even know if that makes sense, but countless times. That's what I meant to say. Countless times. My mom would pray for something that was lost, and we would find it. And I'm like, I know that God does that. I have experienced that. That is so deep within me that I'm like, that's ours. Like, he's going to bring it back. He is going to show us where that is. And, you know, things that you've prayed over, miracles that we've seen, People that we've prayed over, it's like you can't deny that stuff. You have seen it and you have experienced it. Mm-hmm. And it's talking with your kids about it, including your kids about it. Including it's kids. not saying, kids, this is our time. It's saying, come over here. I want to share about the goodness of God to you. Mm-hmm. I want to show you how he's been faithful in my life. And I want to show I want to share with you the miracle that just happened. And we rejoice in those things in our house. We share and we tell our kids things that we have seen, things we are believing for. And it's just like it's including them. It's not mm-hmm. keeping them separate, keeping them out. It's saying, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what Jesus did. Come to me, little children. Have childlike faith. Childlike. It's not, oh, once you've been a scholar for so long, then you can have your faith. Childlike faith. The faith of a mustard seed. It is so small and minute, but so powerful. Mm-hmm. So powerful. Yeah. And Matthew, you were just saying that, and I pulled this verse up uh, yesterday. Um, just as like something that I'm like, wow, this is so good. You know, talking about little kids, uh, in Matthew chapter 19, 13 and 14, I'll just read it quick. It says, Then they brought little children to Jesus so that they would, so he would lay his hands on them, bless them, and pray for them. But the disciples scolded those who brought the children, saying, Don't bother him with this now. Again, kids, you're separate. This is adult time. <laughs> Jesus overheard them and said, I want little children to come to me 
So never interfere with them when they want to come. For heaven's kingdom realm is composed of beloved ones like these. Listen to this truth. No one will enter the kingdom realm of heaven unless he becomes like one of these. And isn't it so true? As adults, we allow ourselves to get in our own way. We do. Our flesh, exactly. We allow ourselves to get trapped and bound up by so many minute details about things that just truly don't matter. For our kids, when they heard that Sarah's story, that her wallet showed back up in her, in her backpack, our kids were like, wow, that's so cool. But they also expected it to happen because they prayed about it and they trusted that the Lord was going to do it. They expected it to happen. It wasn't like this pipe dream, like, well, throw our prayers up, Lord. Hopefully this happens. They asked every day, has Sarah found her wallet yet? Has Sarah found her wallet yet? They knew what was to happen. They knew what was going to happen because they trusted Jesus. They trusted him. So let's strive to not just teach people about Jesus, but to teach people to encounter Jesus. Discipline is, is also, I think, painful at times. We read in Hebrews chapter 12, 11 through 13, it says, Now all discipline seems to be painful at the time, yet later it will produce a transformation of character, bringing a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who yield to it. So be made strong even in your weakness by lifting up your tired hands in prayer and worship. And strengthen your weak knees, for as you keep walking forward on God's paths, all your stumbling ways will be divinely healed. Lift up your tired hands. How many of you have tried to establish a new routine in your life, a new habit? And after about two weeks, you're like, this sucks. <laughs> right? All been there. I just started running a couple weeks ago. My knees hurt. My shoulders hurt. Oh, well, my shoulders hurt. I'm running with my shoulders. It hurt. It's painful. Still painful. But I know that if I stick with it, it'll get easier and easier and easier. It still might hurt, but I'll get used to it. And I know that as I get used to it and as it starts to hurt less and less, there'll be fruit from that. I hope that I lose weight. I hope that I live a healthier lifestyle. I hope that I can run faster, maybe win a few races. I don't know. But even in those moments when you're, maybe it's not running, maybe you're trying to eat healthier and you've eaten a certain way for your entire life and you're trying to now eat fruit and veggies for the first time. I'll tell you what, when we got married, I, oh, that was a wake-up call. <laughs> a wake-up call. You know, we ate, in our family growing up, we ate healthy. But we also, you know, we had a lot of stir-fry and different things. I've been exposed to a lot of things uh, that, you know, we got married. I'm like, you're making what? Edamame? What is, what is that? Never heard of that. Kale? What is that? Yeah, what? I'm supposed to eat this? And there were some very, uh, I think our first year of marriage, we lived on a lot of unhealthy things. And eventually she was like, I'm not well, doing this anymore. Yeah, I did it for like a year. And I was like, okay, like I'm being very nice and like not rocking the boat at all. And so that's okay. And then after like a year, I was like, 
this is done. Uh, we're I, done. We are no more dino eating. nuggets. <laughs> I, I, I ate like a 15-year-old, okay? Let's be honest. And you know what? It, at first, it was really hard because I'm like, I want my food, my comfort food. That's what I want. I, I want to eat chicken nuggets when I want to eat chicken nuggets. Again, I, I, very, on occasion, yes, I still do every once in a while. Um, but I, what I've seen now is because I wasn't resistant to it, it, it was painful at the time, but now I see our kids. And the found other foods you do like. And I do, right, like, I do like edamame. It's really good. Throw some kosher salt on there. Yeah, that's a good yeah. snack. Uh, but what I found is by being willing to change and to establish new habits, establish new routines, and eat different foods, I now see our kids, and there is very rarely a meal, and I'm not bragging here, but there's very rarely a meal where I have to look at my kids and say, you're eating all of that. Because they just know. We're eating it. Salad? Sure, why not? Put a little ranch dressing on it, it's good. So all of that to say it can be tough, and honestly, even meal routines with our kids is painful. Our four-year-old, he would much rather eat a donut off that table than eat lunch when we get home. And we've had to say, like, you don't get donuts at church anymore. And that's painful. Painful for me. Painful for him because you have to answer the question. No, you cannot have a donut 17 times after church. But it's establishing discipline in them so that way they can... As they grow older, they make the right choice. So similarly, in our walk with the Lord, if we're establishing discipline in them at an early age, as they grow older and as they learn to what it means to walk and be led by the Spirit, it's going to become easier and easier and easier for them. It's going to be easier for them to go, all right, Lord, I need to go to college now. Where am I supposed to go? And instead of making a selfish decision, they're going to follow what the Lord has for them. Maybe it's not college. Maybe they're going to the military or something like that. I think that the thing that parents, and I'll speak to the parents right now, that, that we struggle with the most, and I would say this is even something Shree and I are working on, is are you asking the Holy Spirit for guidance on what to do in your home? Have you invited Him in to show you ways to connect the dots for your kids, your siblings, your parents, yourself, to connect the dots. I have a story about Elijah with that one, connecting the dots. Um, so I was, we had like maybe six months ago or something, Elijah was just super tough on us, just really like disobedient, not listening. Like we were just really like trying all the things and nothing was working. I was like, okay, what's going on here? And one day I was just venting to the Holy Spirit saying, I don't know what to do. Like, this is all not working. Like, I just, I don't even know. I feel like a failure as a mom. Like, why, like, what is going on? And the Holy Spirit was like, he, t he told me, I'm like, what do I do? Like, I just don't even know. I don't even know. I've read parenting books. I've read all that stuff. And nothing seems to be working or setting in. And the Holy Spirit told me, start seeing what you don't see. Start saying what you don't see in him. And I'm like, okay. So I'm like, Elijah, you are such a kind boy. You have the kindest heart towards others. And I would just like speak these words over him instead of, 
wow, you're so naughty. No, oh, I just completely disobedient again today. You know, just like, because sometimes we just get in our flesh with that and we're like, raw, out of fresh frustration. And it's like, the Holy Spirit very clearly told me that for Elijah, start saying what you don't see. And we've just like watched him blossom. Yes, there are moments of frustration and still we're working on that stuff. But it's like, Okay, so God has something for every person, every relationship. Ask him, this coworker, I don't know how to handle Holy Spirit. How do I talk to them? How do how do you see them? Open my eyes. Mm-hmm. This neighbor drives me nuts. Like <laughs> show me how to love my neighbor. You know, like all of these things where it's all of these relationships. It's not just our kids or our spouse. It's all of the relationships asking God for help. Show me. Show me how to treat this person. Show me, you know, specific things and he will. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting that you say that because all of us have that person in our life that you can probably point to and go, that person drives me nuts. Right? Maybe, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a neighbor that just doesn't have understand social cues and when you're trying to get back inside wants to just keep talking. We've all been there. Um, and I think that kind of ties into the last, the last uh, aspect of what we want to talk about with, as it relates to our family is grace. We've talked about time, we've talked about discipline, we've talked about trust. We want to end with grace and I think it's important that we, we end this way. So grace, unmerited favor, receiving something that we, we don't deserve. Do we have grace for our family? Are you walking in a spirit of grace at Thanksgiving with your brother-in-law that just makes you frustrated? Come on now. Or are you walking into that situation already with your shields up? Missing out on opportunities to share Jesus with them. Are you walking in a spirit of grace with that person? Where, as Sri was just saying, you see them as Jesus sees them, not as your flesh wants to see them. All of us have unique personalities that sometimes don't always mesh well with other personalities. That's a reality. That happens. I'm an extrovert. Sri is more of an introvert. We mesh well, that's okay, but sometimes when I'm with an extroverted person, you're trying to talk over each other and you're like, why can't I get a word in? Because that person wants to talk just as much as I do. (laughs) Or sometimes when you have two introverts in the room, they just kind of sit there and stare at each other because you don't know what to say. (laughs) Right? It can be awkward. So are you walking into that situation going, this is going to be uncomfortable for me, but I'm going to view that person with the lens of grace instead of through the lens of I'm already frustrated going into the situation with our kids. Sure, you're just talking about Elijah. He's at the stage of four-year-old where he wants to be nine like Graham, but he also wants to be one like Lila. So we get every extreme that you can think of. One minute he's playing up and he's just this really incredible, wow, I don't have to think about him, kid. And the next minute he's throwing a fit, falling over the grocery store because you did, and you're like, bah! <laughs> Yet, as a parent, am I viewing him the same way that Jesus views him? Or am I viewing him as frustrating, 
disappointing, upset, whatever, whatever, add in whatever emotion you have. Are we viewing him in that way or are we viewing him in a way that is contradictory to what the Lord has called for him? Because one of the things that Sri has shared with me that the Lord has kind of revealed to her is every person in your life the Lord has put there for a reason. If you have kids, He has placed those kids in your life for a reason. For you to raise them. For you to be their parent. If you have siblings, they're your sibling for a reason. (laughs) Yeah, and I think we need to start viewing our lives as a ministry. You know, because we can reach people individually that a pastor or someone else couldn't reach. So look, start looking at your life as a ministry. You know, you're ministering to your kids every single day, Sarah. Ministering to them. You're pouring into them. You know, you're ministering to coworkers. You're ministering to neighbors. You're ministering to friends. And so I feel like my mom and I just had this conversation too and how it changes your perspective when you see your life like that as a ministry. Like, we're the hands and feet of Jesus. You know, we're here to do his will. Mm-hmm. And to touch those people who um, nobody else could reach but us. You know, I think of Tammy's story when she was here about the guy with the squirrel. Like, feeding the squirrels. And she's like, um, I don't know. Like, this is kind of weird, Lord. But the Holy Spirit's like, it's okay. And she was obedient. And she could reach him because she was obedient. Like, that was her ministry Nobody else could, because mm-hmm. you know, he had been so hurt before and so had his shields and his guards up that start viewing your life like that as a ministry. And when you're led by the Spirit, he will open up opportunities for you to minister to people. It's not going to be forced. It's not going to be hard. It might be uncomfortable, but he is going to open up pathways for you to walk into it. And ultimately, when, it, when we talk about living a Spirit-led life, and walking in a spirit of grace with our family or with our neighbors or with our friends, as we've talked about in weeks past, it means choosing others' needs over your own. It's seeing the best in them instead of the worst. In James chapter 4, verse 6, it says, But he continues to pour out more and more grace upon us. For it says, God resists you when you are proud, but continually pours out grace when you are humble. Are you extending the same amount of grace to your family? Living a spirit-led life with your family means you're extending the same grace that you have received from our Heavenly Father and giving it back to them. It could be your kids getting on your nerves. One of the things uh, that I, again, being vulnerable here, give me an amen if you struggle with this as well. Uh, loud noises in the car. Uh, bother, like, come on. Beyond, we were just on vacation and our kids, we don't, we don't bring a DVD player often in the car except for long rides. And the two hours of silence, I was like, wow, this is... You know, you know how limos have that window that go up behind the drive? <laughs> Oftentimes I imagine that there's a window that can go... I love my kids, but sometimes you're in a tight, confined spaces and they get loud and they don't realize they're getting loud. But instead of me getting upset with them, how do I correct the behavior, but in a way, in a graceful way, instead of in a frustrating or upset way? Preaching to myself here. 
Uh, our lives are walking, talking testimonies of the goodness of God and the grace that He has given us. Living a spirit-led life means we are continually aware of our identity in Him. We point others back to Him. All of this is pointing, uh, about pointing others back to Jesus. Even through conflict, even through discipline, even through the hardest times in our lives, we can point our family, our friends, our loved ones back to Him if we choose to walk in a spirit of grace. I want to, I want to close, uh, close today with uh, reading Ephesians 1, 8-10. This is out of the Passion Translation. It says, This superabundant grace is already powerfully working in us, releasing all forms of wisdom and practical understanding. And through the revelation of the Anointed One, He unveiled His secret desires to us, the hidden mystery of His long-range plan, which He was delighted to implement from the very beginning of time. And because of God's unfailing purpose, this detailed plan will reign supreme through every period of time until the fulfillment of all the ages finally reaches its climax, when God makes all things new in all of heaven and earth through Jesus Christ. Superabundant grace is already working in us when we know Jesus. And through that grace, it says it releases all forms of wisdom and practical understanding. Do you want to live a spirit-led life? Tap into the grace that is there for you. Superabundant grace is already powerfully working in us. It releases all forms of wisdom and practical understanding. So if you're struggling to feel like you can hear the Holy Spirit, or you're struggling to live a spirit-led life, start to understand the grace that the Lord has already given you. That it's not about do's and don'ts and what you have and haven't done. It's about what was already done for us. When Jesus died on the cross, He opened up the pathways for us to step into a Spirit-led life. And then after He left and the Holy Spirit came, the Holy Spirit came as our helper. He empowers us to pray in other tongues. He empowers us to step forth and to speak into others' life and to share prophecy and moments and things, words of knowledge that you wouldn't be able to know without the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of that is because of God's grace. Not because of anything else. It's because of the grace of God working through us. Because if grace didn't exist, Jesus wouldn't have come. Grace replaced the old way. It replaced the old way. It created a new way. It created a new way. When I was younger, I just popped in my head, we would go to Red Wing often. I grew up in Ellsworth, and Red Wing was the closest town that had a Walmart and a Target. And there was this old blue bridge, and it was a scary old blue bridge. As a kid, I was afraid that I was going to fall off of it. And probably 10 years ago, they ripped out that old blue bridge and replaced it with a nicer, larger, safer, not-going-to-fall-apart bridge. It was a better bridge. It was a better way. They, they changed all of the, the intersections as you came into Red Wing and made it easier for you to come and to go. 
And that's exactly what Jesus did. He replaced the old way and made it easier for us to step into what He has for us. He replaced it. And living a Spirit-led life is truly embracing that. Embracing that covenant. Embracing that new way. Not falling back on the old way that's been there for a while, but stepping into the new way. Woo! Woo! So today we're just going to pray. Sarah, if you want to come up, um, you know, Shri, I know Shri shared during, during worship um, the, that anybody who's been going through a broken heart, and I think similarly today, and, and we're not going to have anyone come up, Ann and uh, David are going to be available for prayer if you, if you do need prayer for anything. But we, as Sarah sings, if you can sing um, the second to last song that we sang. Um, I just want you, like, I want you to spend some time with the Lord just asking Him to continue to reveal Himself to you in ways that you can step out, that the, the Spirit of the Lord can use you in your home, in your family, in your community. So as we sing this last song, just ask the Lord, whether you want to sing or not, even just sit and listen and just talk to the Lord and say, Lord, show me ways that we can have a spirit-led family, that we can step forth into what you have for us and ask for ways that he can remind you of the better way, the way that he established for you.